The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. So today we have our first guest, Pastor Chris Gray, Senior Pastor of the Greater Valley Assembly of God Church in Athens, Pennsylvania. Pastor Chris, welcome to Master's Crib. Hey, good evening. So good to be with you. I appreciate you, Jason, and your heart for people, for ministry, for God, and for his word. appreciate you, my friend. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. So uh, we are going to just rip into this. So I wanted to spend just a couple minutes uh, getting people acquainted with you and your ministry. So uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about the background of Greater Valley Assembly of God and, and your background in ministry? Sure, just uh, very briefly, because not, not all that exciting, but I moved to the area on April 12th. Of, uh, well, I say moved the area. Moved the area, and in, on, on April 12th, 1998, we opened up Greater Valley Assembly. God planted it. I hadn't uh, had a desire to necessarily go into church planting, per se, but we felt the need from the Lord to come and plant a church in the area uh, under the Assemblies of God, and we did that on April 12th, 1998. Been here ever since, so 22 years now. And what has been the mission of your ministry uh, I think probably, you know, our, our motto sums it up. Our, our motto is committed to God, committed to you, uh, even though we've never completely lived up to our goal, and uh, we probably never will, that, of course, but <laughs> that, that's our goal. We, we want to love God with every fiber of our being, and I, I want to teach people to do that, and then we also want to love others as genuinely as we can. So committed to God, committed to you is kind of our essence. Great. Great. That's that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, let's uh, let's tear into the Bible a little bit, you and I. Yeah. So um, I just want to go ahead and, and just read this this passage. You know, it's it's really the foundation for uh, for where we start with everything, and it is Genesis. So it says in Genesis one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light." And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So let's just talk for just a couple seconds about, uh, about God's absolute authority over creation. What, what would you say about that? I, I always think it's interesting that mankind thinks he's so big and so in control until something like you know, COVID-19 or sickness or some other natural catastrophe happens, and then we realize how helpless we are. God <laughs> is the creator. He, he owns the copyright. Everything belongs to him. Uh, just quickly, I, you know, I love humor, and I, I, you may have heard that story that I, I love that talks about uh, two scientists, or a scientist came to God one day and said, we don't need you anymore, and God said, I'm sorry you're writing me off, but before you do, he said, could uh, we just uh, have a contest? The guy said, look, he said, we're doing everything now, we're making man, everything. He said, well, how about, God said, how about we make a man, have a man-making contest? The scientists said, all right. But God said, we're going to do things the old-fashioned way. We're going to make man out of dust. And the scientists said, all right, reached down, grabbed a handful of dirt, and God said, uh-uh-uh, you get your own dirt. <laughs> and 
and that's you know kind of the way it is. It's like we have to realize that everything that we look at, everything that we are touching and feeling, belongs to Him. Mm. A few, few weeks ago, I, I finished up a series I called uh, I called Usurped regarding and honoring and submitting to authority, and uh, you know I established that that God is in control of everything. He He established everything, so therefore everything that is on this earth is His call. Wow! So really that. That whole idea of sovereignty comes into play in, in, in everything that you just said, you know, really that, that God is completely and totally sovereign. So what exactly does that mean? Like we're talking about authority. We're kind of thinking about sovereignty in, in what you're saying. What exactly does sovereignty mean? I think sovereignty to me means absolute rule. Mm. Uh, there's not one molecule, not one atom that he isn't over. Ah. I think Proverbs 21, 1, you know, king's heart's in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes, and God can do with it whatever he'd like. Amen. Uh, I, you know, I prepared a little quote from A.W. Tozer, great author and preacher from the 20th century. And he said, we must not think of God as the highest in an ascending order of being, starting with the single cell and going up from the fish to the bird, to the animal, to man, to angel, to the cherub, to God. This would be to grant God eminence and even preeminence, but that is not enough. We must grant him transcendence in the fullest meaning of the word. Forever God stands apart in light unapproachable. He is as high above an archangel as above a caterpillar. For the gulf that separates the archangel from the caterpillar is but finite, while, while the gulf between God and the archangel is infinite. The caterpillar and the archangel, though far removed from each other in the scale of created things, nevertheless are one in that they are like created they both belong in that category of that which is not god and are separated from god by infinitude itself that's deep that wow. is very deep but i think when we think of sovereignty we've got to realize there is one complete sovereign and that is god himself that's it wow wow that is that is so so amazing so amazing I, yeah, those I, words to tozer wow Wow, so so deep, so deep. Mm -hmm. I, I, it makes me think um, of that of that quote by Kuiper that was something to the effect of that there's not one molecule to which Jesus doesn't say mine. You know, it's <laughs> mine. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it, but that's good. Yeah, it's, it's just it's so so beautiful. So uh, God has absolute authority, as as you've already said, and and that that Tozer quote is just so beautiful. So when we think about the perfect world, like we think about. <clears throat> about the Garden of Eden, and we think about this first original creation, and we think of when God says that, uh, that it was good. This is how he declares things to be. Uh, really, that's the world where God was in full authority and where everything was bowing and listening to his authority. What would you have to say about that, Pastor Chris? Uh, I think God never relinquished authority. Everything still is underneath him. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I, I often joke, you know, Everything was going great till Eve ate them out of house and home, uh, and then, then, then things messed up. Now, just because the the world messed up, that did not relinquish the authority of God. God mm. is still in control. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think we we see from from Scripture that, and and we see not only from Scripture but just the way we look at the world that. The kingdom of God is established and constituted upon the principles of, of operating within the constructs of authority and of honoring authority. In other mm. words, when Adam and Eve were created, God gave them assignments. He gave them something to do. 
and they recognized that he was their father. He was the boss, and they needed to listen to him. And, and of course, they blew it. But God had established his kingdom, and, and he, is, he constituted his kingdom to operate uh, under the foundation of sovereignty and authority and submission to him. Uh, scriptures back that out all over the place. You know, Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne as heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Uh, and there's numerous other scriptures we quote even tonight. Uh, you know, John 1, 3, all things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made was made. So Amen. God is completely in control, even uh, if it seems like the world is out of control. Amen. And that's something that's des- desperately, desperately needed, even yeah. this evening, for, uh, yeah. for people to be hearing, is that COVID's not out of his control. He hasn't taken a nap. He hasn't went to sleep. You know, he's, yeah. he's still I, you know, I, I think I think of Jesus, Matthew 28, before he left the world, giving what we know as the Great Commission. Uh, he said, all of Authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and he gave the disciples an assignment. But where was that authority given from? It was given from God the Father, and God mm. gave it to him. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, we see, then comes the end when God delivers the kingdom of God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule, uh, all rule and all authority and power. He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed uh, will be death. And so... Jesus, you know, it's, it's like God says, I'm, I'm in charge in the beginning. I'm sovereign in the beginning. Uh, I'm giving power back to Jesus Christ uh, before he, he gave power to Jesus Christ and he gave it to his disciples. Mm. And then when Jesus says the end is coming, then the kingdom of God, the millennial reign of Christ, will show the sovereign rule and reign of Christ on earth one more time before the new heavens and the new earth. See that's that's so. See you. You have such a such a high view of, of sovereignty and such a high view of, of Christ's authority, and I just think that that's that's so amazing. That's um, what the scripture teaches, my opinion, anyway. Amen. Amen. So um, creation's relationship in submission to God's authority. Now, as as you stated, you know God God never relinquished His authority, but um, as we know in in Genesis three. Uh, things become kind of a mess, and uh, and ever since then, God has been bringing about His His great plan of redemption to to restore sure. all these things. So now, if if you are just looking at at the book of Genesis as a whole, and and you are starting in the beginning, and you're looking at this this goodness, I mean, creation's relationship even to other creation seemed to be different um, in in the beginning, was it not? I think, I, yeah, I, w- I would agree. Uh, I think when you look at Genesis and then the implications of the Old Testament and through the New Testament, you can see that God has established the inst- three institutions. Uh, some might say others, but I, I hone it down to three institutions. He's established the institution of the church, and I believe that's the extension of his priesthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's established the institution of civil authority and governments, and I believe that's the extension of God's kingship. And he's established the institution of marriage and family, the extension of his fatherhood. Mm. Uh, of course, you know, you, I know you're familiar with the scriptures, Romans 13, Absolutely. verse 1, there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And the structure of authority, whether we like it or not, the structure of authority is all around us. Uh, I think, you know, if you, you just look around us, you'll see that there's bosses, managers, supervisors, there's coaches and referees, there's policemen, judges, there's presidents, gover- governors, political leaders, there's children's and parents, husbands and wives, there are the biblical offices of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And there's professors, teachers, and principals. So the, mm. the structure of authority really is all the way around us. And I believe that it's around us because God has placed it that way from the very beginning of time, that that's just the natural way that humanity will uh, will survive and, and work together. And we have to work together 
And in order to work together, we have to learn to honor uh, authority and be submissive when submission is is called for. Mm. That's 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 such a relevant message. It's it's so contemporary. It's amazing that I, that God's word never gets old, never gets tired. It wasn't. It's yep. not like it wasn't prepared for this very moment, for this very conversation we're having right now. I mean, God <laughs> has set this up for us. So um, as we're thinking kind of as uh, moving into today and we're thinking about the world that's surrounding us and, uh, and this is where some of us get in trouble talking about stuff like this, um, but do you see our modern culture as being friendly toward the idea of authority? <laughs> uh, probably that's a rhetorical question in and of itself. Uh, it, 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 it goes against the heart of man to be submissive if you, you look at a child coming, I don't want to say coming out of the womb, but by the time he's two or three years old, the child's first favorite word is not yes, yes, yes. It's the, the child's first favorite word is no, no, no. Why? Because the parent says don't do that, don't touch that, don't pick up that, don't eat that, and the child is no. Uh, it, it, it just reveals the heart of man is just uh, rebellious from its very get-go, and we have to allow God to change our hearts so we can come under authority. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, what do you think about how the church has been handling this situation? Do you think that uh, that we've been doing a good job, like say over the past fifty years, regarding teaching the importance of authority? Uh, over the last fifty years, uh, I'm only forty nine, so I guess I can't answer that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm teasing. Uh, you, you know, I, I was doing in the series I was doing a few weeks ago at our own church. I mentioned that one of the, the longest non-scientific words in the English language is the word disestablishmentarianism. You know, disestablishmentarianism, <laughs> word we used to have fun saying when I was a teenager. Uh, you know, and then probably that's, you know, sure, that's a word you've used all week long yourself, Jason, right? It's, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, you know, what, what that means is it's, it's a belief that established order, especially order from a church, should be eliminated. In other words, there shouldn't be any order. Now, you mentioned the last 50 years, during the 1960s and 70s, this belief was characterized by people who no longer felt that they needed to be under the thumb of government or church or really really any kind of authority for that matter. Mm. Uh, this belief really took form during the Vietnam years, during uh, the Richard Nixon scandal in the hippie era, and the, the free love movement, which inaugurated a tremendous increase, of course, in STDs. And, and basically, it was, it was a mantra of, we don't need anybody over us. And that uh, movement really uh, kind of pushed the society to a place where, where we really rebelled against authority. And I think in this day and age, with people who are against police officers, people who are against uh, politicians all the time, people who don't think they have to listen to anybody, it just is indicative that the heart of man is becoming colder all the time. And I would say that there needs to be a teaching in the church because when we honor others, we honor God. Uh, when we honor others, we, we honor God. First Peter chapter 2 from the New Living Translation says, For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. Uh, if not for our own sake, at least for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority. And I think the church has a need to remind people that with honoring authority, we reveal humility. And, and when we are humble, then God has something to work with because he says he resists the proud gives grace to the humble, Amen. and when we are humble, that appeals to the masses. Now, I know that, that a lot of the athletes and actors and politicians, whoever out, might be out there, that sometimes the pride and the robust nature that they present, they think that appeals, and to some degree that appeals as well. Mm. But when you take someone who, who can be bold, who can be a strong leader, but yet still remains humble, 
such as Tim Tebow. You know, you listen to Tim Tebow, they may say, well, he wasn't a great athlete, but he was a great guy. It appeals to people. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's definitely, I mean, I, I see it too. There's this huge power struggle and it's like man wants to live in a world where you know we get to pick and choose our own rules and like you were saying that's that stuff kind of started a little while ago and uh, just you know it's basically like i don't want to be told what to do why should you tell me what to do which really is displayed in the papers i mean our, our local paper if you look just over the past week there is just an absolute rejection of authority and it and yeah. it's just yeah. and some of these people that we're seeing in the paper i mean these are people that i've seen come through through the doors here i mean these are yeah. people that have come through the doors of churches and uh, we've we've really failed in so many respects to really get the message out there so i just want to ask uh, chris do you think that um possibly uh just pastors in general have been kind of weak at preaching this from the pulpit uh, I, I think yes uh, would be the definite answer. However, I, I and, 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 and I will say we need, do need to teach it, but I, I do think that when you look back to even as early as Adam and Eve, uh, to Cain with Abel, uh, and if you go all the way through the Old Testament with Moses and the, the, and the sons of Korah, all, all of that, that this is just part of human nature, that we do not want to be under authority, mm. and it's a spiritual issue. So therefore, we could tell people that you need to be under authority, but until the spirit of man is changed, then they're going to continue to rebel against it. Mm. And, I, and I think when we decry and rebel against authority, we incrementally harden ourselves by promoting the egocentric belief that we know better than those in authority around us, and it, it, it stiffens our resolve not to listen. And, and, and I, you know, if you capture anything, I guess capture this. When, when it comes to people in authority... You know, you or someone else may very well be more knowledgeable than those that are in authority around us. But with each act of rebellion against authority, we increase our pride layer by layer. Mm. And when we uh, when we become proud, it, it's hard for God to bless us. It really is because, like I mentioned earlier, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and and we need to remember that submission is it's not blind alliance. It's not overlooking that, that some people may be wrong. It's not overlooking faults, failures, or leadership deficiencies in our leaders or people that are in authority. It's, submission is not acknowledging that authority is always right. It's not accepting that things are all right and no adjustments or change is necessary. And submission is not forsaking God's will and commands for the commands of man. Hmm. But we do have the responsibility to not only teach authority, but we need to uh, display that we do fall under authority, and, uh, and as preachers, you know, yourself and myself, my goal is not just to tell people they need to be under authority, although that's part of it. My, my goal is to lead people to a relationship with God uh, under the power of the Holy Spirit so that mm. the power of the Holy Spirit can develop the fruit of the Spirit in them, and then they will develop that attitude of submission, humility, and self-control. Uh, God, listen, God honors people who honor authority. Uh, in the church, we especially need to remember that God honors people when they honor his servants. I, I think of Matthew 10. Uh, Jesus is talking. This is right after he talks about the, uh, the cup of cold water in his name. He says, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So in other words, God sent Jesus. So when they receive Jesus, they receive God. And then he goes on to say, 
He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. When someone who is a servant of God comes delivering a message of God, and if, if someone receives that message as if God is speaking, then not only will that minister get a reward for preaching the gospel or whatever the uh, he might be teaching at that moment, the person who receives it is getting it, that blessing and reward as well. Uh, it, it, he says it's the prophet's reward. Listen, when, when you honor a servant of God, you reveal to God that you trust him enough to work through someone else to speak into your life because you believe that God has placed him before you. And I, I think that's powerful. Mm. So um, I want to ask this this last question in a slightly yeah. different way. And um, you had mentioned that uh, that you saw the authority structure um, split up into three. And I just yeah. ask you, Pastor Chris, if if you were to uh, to just go ahead and, and tell everyone um, what should be the order in which this authority rests. Like if you were to to prioritize these from uh, where it starts to the next we should appeal to to the next we should appeal to. Like how would you lay that structure out? Boy, great question. Uh, I, I guess if I, if I go back to Genesis, and as Ken Ham says, answers in Genesis, uh, I, I would see that God created the relationship with marriage and family first. That was his first institution. And then as it branched out, there was the institution of civil authority and governments because all of a sudden you have, uh, I, you know, who knows how long, how many years it took for there to be hundreds and then thousands and then millions of people on the earth. And Therefore, civil authority and government needed to exist, but uh, it didn't take too long either before uh, God instituted uh, the uh, Moses and the tabernacle and the, the liturgy of worship and the ritualistic of worship there. So I, I'd probably say, you know, obviously we have the responsibility before God first and foremost. We have to answer to him, but marriage and family, first civil authority, second church, third, but at the same time, that does not necessarily mean that one is more valuable because you know when it comes to the the role of the church and again that's the extension of his priesthood that's got to be primary a primary value because even uh if if i as a pastor if, as long as i'm preaching the, the the word of the lord the way it should be and if i'm listening to the voice of the lord and i'm preaching it correctly uh i have to listen first and foremost to what the bible teaches me and if that comes through uh, another preacher or you know or a prophet or someone to me I have to be able to teach that and listen, uh, and then if the government says I can't worship Jesus Christ any longer, then that that comes subservient to the message of the gospel. I, yeah. I have to put God first in all things. So I think really all three of those work together. I don't know whether I'd even be comfortable putting them in too hard of an order, apart from the fact that God gave the establishment first to the family, and then by nature probably the civil authority, and then the church. I, just one more kind of foundational building off off of what you're saying. This is this is really yeah. just just great, and I really appreciate this conversation. Oh, yeah. But um, when when you're talking about these three structures, um, and and you're saying like there shouldn't be one that's of any more importance than another, I I, I hear you. And my question is, if you were to look at these three, which one would you say we're slipping the worst at in today's culture? Like like which one do you think that the church has just is just given away or, or humanity in general has has just given away? Or do you think that we're just lacking in, in all three of these categories? Yes, <laughs> all, all three of them. I mean, when, when you look at the again, it goes from a spiritual nature when when a when a, a nation uh, is following God and Judeo-Christian values, then it's, it's going to be less likely to have the civil 
uh, authority and government breakdowns or the marriage and the family. But when, a, when people stop following God, they stop listening to his, his words, then the church breaks down, uh, the marriage and the family breaks down, and then people don't care what the government has to say about it. Because, mm. again, it's the heart of man saying, I don't need to listen to anybody because I'm in charge and, and, and uh, I'm proud and, and I know what to do best, even if they don't. I, w- I always remember years ago when I was playing some basketball one night, uh, some guys came in and they said, we're ballers, B-A-L-L-E-R-S. And, uh, and I, I knew what they meant instinctively, but I never heard the term before. And so and they, and they were like 17, 18 years old. And I was like, you know, ballers, what do you mean ballers? Oh, man, we know how to play ball. And I, I looked at the way they played that night and they didn't have a clue really how to play basketball. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of people in the world like that that think they're experts in things that they aren't experts in. And so we need to be humble enough to simply say, all right, I don't know as much as I think I want to know. Someone has said, someone has said that some people think they are the person they wish they were. And a lot of people think they are so good because they wish they were so good. But in reality, we aren't. We're just people that need help. We need direction. We need leadership. And we need to humbly submit ourselves to God and people. Mm. Amen. So, Pastor Chris, um, if, if people that are listening, they want to know more about, about your ministry, they want to know how they can, how they can hear sermons, um, how can they do that? How can they find out more about Pastor Chris Gray and, and the fellowship of the Greater Valley Assembly of God? Oh, I appreciate us, you, you giving us the opportunity to plug. But, uh, you know, I, I'd say first and foremost, you know, if they're listening to this broadcast, connect with you. You're a great man of God, and I appreciate what you're doing in Waverly. Uh, down in the Athens, Pennsylvania area, um, you know, you can check us out on our website. Just uh, look up, do a Google search for Greater Valley Assembly of God, be the best way. Our website's gvaofg.org. Uh, or connect with us on Facebook. We have a Facebook presence as well. Pretty soon we're going to be having a YouTube and Instagram presence as well. But uh, services down there, uh, it's 104 South Main Street, Athens, and we run about 150, 175 people on a Sunday morning. When we are gathering right now, uh, we're not running anybody, but uh, that's what we do on a normal Sunday morning. Awesome, awesome. Pastor Chris, thank you so much for your time. Oh, so welcome, Jason. Appreciate it. God bless you and your ministry. God bless you, too.